You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on the Locked On Nationals podcast today. It is July 6th, 2021. And on the show today, we discuss the MLB All-Star teams as well as the Nationals' 7-5 win last night over the Padres. So a whole lot to get to. We'll also take a look at the rest of the Padres and Nationals series coming up this week. So a busy show today coming at you. All right, before we get into the Nationals' 7-5 win last night, let's discuss MLB All-Star teams. These were announced on Sunday, and obviously, as we know, the starters are selected by the fans. In this year's All-Star game, the Nationals will have three players representing the team. None of them are starters. The starters this year are Buster Posey at catcher, Freddie Freeman for the Braves, Adam Frazier is at second, Nolan Arenado is from the Cardinals, and he is at third. Fernando Tatis Jr. from the Padres, a shortstop, Acuna of the Braves in the outfield, and then Castellanos and Winker of the Reds are also going to be in the outfield. Your reserves is JT Realmuto, Max Muncy, Ozzy Albies, Jake Cronenworth, Chris Bryant, Eduardo Escobar, Brandon Crawford, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Brian Reynolds, Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, Chris Taylor, and then your pitchers are DeGrom, Darvish, Woodruff, Burns, Gosman, Marquez, Rogers, Wheeler, Kimbrell, Melanson, Hayter, Reyes. So that is your National League All-Star team. Now let's start with the Nationals players. I think that when we saw the final three in voting from the fans, it was Javier Baez, Brandon Crawford, and uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. for that shortstop spot. Look, I'm okay with Tatis getting it. I think there is an argument to be made that because of his, uh, because he is the worst defensive shortstop in the league by a uh, considerable margin, or at least the worst prominent starting shortstop in the league by a considerable margin, I think that could detract. If we're talking about all-around players, I mean, you know, is his offense so freaking spectacular that it makes you forget about um, his shortcomings on defense? That really depends on the person. This year, he's hitting 302 with a 385 on base, a 1.083 OPS. He's got tw- uh, 27 homers, 58 RBI on the season in just 68 games. He has been fantastic, but the issue is. He is by far the worst defensive shortstop in the league, and he's made 18 errors on the year. That is by far the most out of any starting shortstop. He has the worst fielding percentage of any shortstop at 922. Um, And then, you know, you look at some of the more advanced metrics, the the kind of the run saved, uh, the BIS defensive run saved, it's minus 11. uh, And and go on the total zone, uh, the total zone total fielding runs above average, minus 15. So, You think about the number of runs saved, too, uh, above average, he's minus five. And also the total zone, uh, total fielding runs above average, he's minus seven. So on some of those defensive metrics, he's really not very good. And you look at Trey. Trey has not been great either. Trey is slightly below average in a lot of those numbers, but his his fielding numbers are a lot better. And so um, still a lot better than than Fernando Tatis's. And look, the offensive season he's putting together has been fantastic. He's hitting 321 with a 370 on base. Um, he's he's got 15 homers and 39 RBI for a guy that hits, you know, more. He was hitting one, obviously. Uh, he's hitting two now and has really picked it up and has just had the opportunity now to start hitting, um, you know, in, in the middle of the order as opposed to being kind of flipped around some, hitting first. You know, he's kind of been all over the place. Once they got Kyle Schwarber in that leadoff spot, he was there to stay. Now they're still hitting Trey number two because it's been a spot that he's been so effective in. 
Um, yeah, he definitely, you know, sure, Tatis's offensive numbers are just a touch better. But, um, you know, I, I think this is a situation where, um, you know, you could have gone either way of all-star fan voting, whatever. But Trey not being considered to be a starter is just one of those weird fan voting things that I think that we, you know, gets kind of gets overlooked. Uh, the outfielding part of this. Also, Javier Reyes, I, we kind of did a preview and I was not able to post it because life got in the way yesterday. I'm sorry, folks, for the series, but life really did get in the way yesterday. A busy day for me. Um, and so, you know, we talked about it and I, and I kind of hammered him for it. And I said, look, the issue I have with Tatis is that in a playoff series, you know, I'd rather have a guy like a Brandon Crawford because I know he's not going to put the ball into the, in the dugout in a big spot. Look, I know Tatis, and I've said this a bunch, I think he's going to be a really good fielding shortstop. He's got the athleticism. We saw a tremendous play that he made last night. The issue is that you have to be doing it on a consistent basis. And he was consistent last year, but bad before that, and then really horrible this year. So, you know, he's got he's only 22. It's totally fine. At 26, 27, 28, he might be the best defensive shortstop in the league year in and year out. Totally buy that. I completely buy that. But he's 22 right now, and we saw it last year with Luis Garcia, right, when he was playing second base for the Nationals. You just need time. You need reps. You need to drill that position, those positions, especially in the, in the middle infield because, you know, once you get in those situations where you're get, okay, getting used to handle, handling balls to my right, getting used to handling balls to my left, double play feeds, building that chemistry, it just gets easier and easier and easier to play those positions. But it's reps at the major league level, and he's still obviously not at the consistent place yet. He's going to get there, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there at the age of 25. Once again, he's only 22 right now. But Fernando Tatis, to me, you know, I do think there has to be some considerations given to his defensive abilities because I think too often we just talk about offense. That's all we talk about is offense. And sure, you know, maybe maybe if, uh, if they were an American League team um, at this point in the season, I'm not sure how much shortstop that Fernando Tatis would be playing, right? At that clip, at how bad he's been at defense – if, if they were an American League team, would he be the everyday guy playing shortstop? I mean, I'd have him taking ground balls before every single game and Julian, yeah, playing some shortstop too. But at, at that rate, I don't know if I'd be leaving him out there every single day if he was an American League player. We saw him last night make another error. Once again, spectacular play as well with that leaping catch that he made, but also he made an error too. So, you know, that, that all-star voting, you know, he's a, such a great offensive player and definitely deserves to be uh, a starter and on the all-star team. But I, I think the I think Trey definitely has an argument. I, I think if you don't believe Trey Turner has an argument, you're, you're lying because Trey has been outstanding this year on the offensive side of things. And also on defense, he has been pretty much like right below standard average. So, I mean, you know, it's the, the gap between – look, he and Tatis are not great, uh, great fielding shortstops. But – um, the gap for Tatis to Turner is considerable. They're both below average, but Tatis has been way below average this year. On the outfield side of things, obviously it's great to see Kyle Schwarber and then uh, Juan Soto be recognized. You know, for Soto, it actually has not been the year that we really thought he would have, right? He's hitting 274, the 393 on base, but still, by industry standards, uh, that's a really good season. It's an all-star worthy season. By his standards, not not up to, to what he's been putting up. You know, once again, another 22-year-old guy that he's going to be 23 in October, right? So plenty of time for him to turn this thing around um, this season. But, I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, I say turn this thing around. I mean, get back to his normal clip because think about the way he's hitting his career, right? Uh, you know, all seasons, 
292 when he first came up in 18, to, uh, 282 that he hit in 2019. Shortened season, he hit 351 in 47 games. And look, you made the art. You make the argument that if he played um, 50 some games last year, he definitely could have been considered for the MVP of the league. And then a down year for Mr. Juan Soto is uh, 274, the 393 on base, and uh, you know nine homers and 38 RBI. Still good enough for him to make the All-Star game. Obviously, still working on the defensive side of things, too. And then also, Mr. Kyle Schwarber being recognized as an All-Star reserve for his contributions on the season. That last month, Kyle Schwarber had, I forgot to mention, he was National League Player of the Month. Obviously, it wasn't a very uh, pressing issue because we were more thinking about Kyle Schwarber's injury and how the Nationals are very unfortunate to have that happen. But, um... You know, this year, Kyle Schwarber, he's been not great in the outfield defensively, uh, but I think a little bit better than we actually expected, right, to have him to have him out there. Um, he's kind of actually around where he is normally in the outfield. So, uh, yeah, Kyle Schwarber right now playing, being injured. But the offensive explosion that he had uh, in the last month put him in a position where, look, he's hitting 253 on the year, 340 on base, a 910 OPS with 25 homers and 53 RBI. The offensive production is there definitely to garner garner those accolades of being an all-star reserve, and uh, it's good to see that he has made the all-star team. I think that last month and kind of the show he was putting on definitely meant that he should be uh, acknowledged, and he's getting that acknowledgement. So Turner, Soto, and Schwarber are your three all-stars. Now, we're going to take a quick break and come back and discuss the pitching side of things. I know there is some anger there is some angst, and uh, there rightfully should be, about Max Scherzer not making the All-Star team. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the best place to find thousands of parts for your car or truck. They've got thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You go to rockauto.com today. You can check it out. You'll spend up to uh, 30% less, 50% less, and sometimes even 100% less than you would at a chain store. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store. It's just 216 at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com today to check out all of those deals available right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, so uh, one other note on the All-Star front is that Max Scherzer did not make the All-Star game. Now, this is a function of the fact that every single team needs to have a All-Star. So this is, and, and look, the the issue now I have with that, though, is that guys like Hugh Darvish are on there. Um, guys like Herman Marquez, who's had a really good season. It's tough to pitch in a place like Colorado. He is on there. Trevor Rogers is on there, right? And so... When you look at some of the starting pitching numbers, and I'll just kind of give you a couple guys, right? You Darvish, for example. Really strong season for you Darvish. But, you know, has he been better than Max Scherzer? No, I don't think he has. And this year with the Padres, he's 7-3 and with a 2.65 ERA. He has got 123 strikeouts on the season, and he's had a really strong year um, for him. But Max Scherzer's numbers are a bit better than that. Now, is Max getting the length that it felt like he got before in some of his uh, you know, former years? No, n- not really getting the same length. It feels like uh, he's only thrown 94 innings as compared to Yu Darvish, who's thrown 102. Now, Max did miss 
a couple starts, but still, uh, the fact remains, you know, that that Max has pitched at an all-star level. Look at his numbers. 94 innings. He's got a 2.1 ERA on the season, um, 127 punch-outs. In ju- and I just mentioned it, 123 and, 100, uh, and 102 innings for you, Darvish. Max has thrown eight less innings. He's got four more strikeouts. I, I know it's, those are margins, but still, the numbers are just a little bit better for Max. A 3.19 FIP for you, Darvish, compared to a 3.08 FIP for Max. And you just kind of go up the list, you know, Max's whip is a little bit better than you Darvish's. Uh, Darvish's is the hits per nine favor Max. Uh, the home runs per nine favor Max. Or uh, their, uh, excuse me, favor Darvish by 0.1. The walks per nine favor Max. The strikeouts per nine inning. That favors Max as well. So, you know, there's so many of these categories where you can compare these guys. And another example would be Trevor Rogers, a guy who's just, you know, his raw numbers uh, aren't as good as Max Scherzer's, yet the guy has been selected to the All-Star team. And look, Trevor Rogers is going to be considered the Rookie of the Year and probably should be, but he's thrown just around the same number of innings as Max. He's got less strikeouts as Max, not a good ERA as Max. Now, his uh, his FIP is fantastic. Um, he has been so good this year. And once again, like I, I'm going to say this, he has been awesome. But you know, there are some categories where you might have Max beat, but in a lot of them, he does not. You know, Walks per nine, Ks per nine, hits per nine, uh, whip in all of those categories, Max has him beat. Now it's not once again, it's not a wide margin, but Max's season has been fantastic. And the fact that he's not going to be recognized as an all-star, you know, you look back at the season and you're going to put this among Mac, one of Max's best. You know, you look back at the years that he's had, and you look back at you know, this is um, in terms of earned run average. This is Max Scherzer's. He's on pace to have his best year. Back in eighteen, he was eighteen and seven with a two point five three ERA. This year, he's uh, through sixteen games, so basically halfway to what he was in eighteen. And right now, he is at seven and four. Once again, wins and loss don't matter. Two point one ERA. Um, the K's per nine at twelve point one. Slight drop off, but his career high best is twelve point seven. So he's still right on pace of where he normally is. A bit higher in the old FIP category, a little bit higher for Max um, this year, but the whip is down too. The home runs or the hits per nine are down. The home runs per nine are down from last season. The walks per nine are down from last season. So by all indications, Max is having another really great season. And the fact that he's not recognized is um, is a function of really bad rules, which I don't believe that everybody should, should have to be recognized I do I understand the idea that maybe it helps the game but the, the idea that every team has to be recognized at the expense of some players is ridiculous now the word that too many teams you know are not going to be left in but look when we got teams out there that are trying to tank like the Tigers you know uh, you know trying like, like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pittsburgh Pirates have some deserving all-stars uh, don't get me wrong but the Colorado Rockies are thrown in there as well I mean sure maybe Herman Marquez does deserve to be an all-star but it deserve to be an all-star over Max Scherzer no, no, he does not. Does Trevor Rogers? No, no, he does not. Does you Darvish? No, no, he does not. So, uh, and look, I know winning teams always helps as well, but Max has been a massive part of the Nationals keeping afloat. The fact that they have him going right now every five days and they've got a bunch of guys out there right now struggling to stay healthy, struggling to stay on the field, having that guy go out there every five days for the Nats has been key, and, and he's been fighting through injuries this season to do it, and has still put out 16 starts in the first half of the year, despite the fact that he's been a little banged up at times. So his numbers, his performance, 
and what he's added in terms of value to the Nationals when it comes to wins and just performance. He deserves to be an all-star. It's a travesty that he's not. It's a function of a bad system that they currently have going on. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a shame that Max at this age uh, is going to miss out because you never know when when a drop-off could come. Do I think Max Scherzer is going to drop off? No, but at age 36, there's no doubt in my mind that this is one of his best seasons that he's currently having right now, even though he's only halfway through. And it's upsetting to me that he's not going to get acknowledged for that in terms of All-Star because this is something actually we do look back at, uh, you know, when somebody's career is over, this many-time All-Star. And we're going to look back, and if, you know, you might say, how, okay, this many-time All-Star, and, you know, you're actually going to have to go through his numbers to see, oh, well, how in the hell did he not get this, right? We're all going to look back and say, what in the hell happened? How did Max Scherzer not make an All-Star team with the numbers that he had at that point of the season? So, um, you know, once again, great performance by Max all the way through this year uh, up to this point, and uh, sad he's not an All-Star. All right, let's take one more break, and we'll discuss the Nationals game last night against the Padres, a 7-5 win. We'll break it all down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the best place for all of your sports gaming action. Go to BetOnline.ag today. And what you guys can do is use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, And you guys will get a 50% deposit bonus with your first deposit at BetOnline. So once again, go to BetOnline today. Promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on, and you'll receive that 50% deposit bonus. I just talked about Bet Online. They are your online sportsbook experts. All right, so let's get into last night's game. The Nationals win by a score of 7 to 5. It was a highly entertaining back and forth game. The Nationals uh, sent John Lester out there for the uh, Padres. It was Joe Musgrove. And what's interesting about this game is there's another lineup with the Nationals. They're very intent on keeping Trey Turner 2, Soto 3. They like the way those two guys produced at that spot with Kyle Schwarber, and they've brought in uh, a replacement for Schwarber. Who needs him when you've got Alcides Escobar? That acquisition was big, and it kind of reminds me of Jonathan Lucroy in the beginning of the year, right? The Nationals were dealing with a couple things at the catcher spot. They bring in Jonathan Lucroy, and he produced for them, uh, you know, in a pretty meaningful way to start off the year. Well, what happens when Trey Turner goes down and then Jordy Mercer goes down and then Luis Garcia is not available to call up and Carter Keboom's not available to call up? What do you do? You go and you acquire Alcides Escobar. And what has he done so far? Well, he's just raked at a 583 clip uh, and, he's, and he's done a good job. Last night also, too, I like the fact that it gave them some flexibility to move some things around. They put Escobar at second. They put Turner at short. They put... Um, uh, Castro at third. They bumped Josh Harrison to left field. So that has been a really interesting kind of configuration for the Nationals and last night to help them get a 7-5 to five win. Give them credit. They jumped on Joe Musgrove from the outset. And when I mean from the outset, I mean the first pitch of the game was a 94-mile-an-hour fastball that Trey Turner put into the seats. That gave them a 1-0 advantage. John Lester works out of trouble in the first inning. And then they get a John Lester single to drive in a run in the third, followed by a uh, Alcides Escobar sacrifice. Juan Soto got a sacrifice as well. And then Josh Bell singled 
scoring a run. So the Nationals use a little bit of small ball, really, you know, kind of moving the ball around in the first couple, in the first, uh, the second inning rather. First inning, they use the power to get it done. That gave the Nationals a 5-0 advantage. Now, this San Diego Padres lineup is hard to keep down. And in the third, they got a Trent Grisham hit by pitch, which walked in a run from John Lester. And then they get a Kim double, which scored uh, two runners, making it 5-3. In the bottom of the fourth, Fernando Tatis Jr. goes deep. And then Will Myers ties the game up with a double. John Lester only makes it through three and one-third innings. And this is something that I was actually doing an interview yesterday with somebody. You know, I'm not going to keep hammering this point to death because uh, I, I think I have enough. But the, the Nats have to do something about John Lester. Three and a third, six hits, five runs. Two of them earn four walks, two Ks, and a home run. Look, I know he didn't get a lot of help from the defense <laughs> out there, but um, I have to say that at a time when the Nationals need more length, you know, we're dealing with a situation today where the Nats don't even know who their starting pitcher is going to be, and Dave Martinez is having to ask around who's good to go. Using five arms last night to fill in the remaining, the remaining what was it? Uh, he made, makes it through three and a third, so they had to get another five and two-thirds out of their pen because John Lester threw 83 pitches in three and a third innings. It's, you know, it, it's getting to a point where he is not, he's not giving you length and uh, he's not giving you a whole lot of quality uh, on a consistent basis. The Nats won the game great. And actually the Nationals, I think, won the last game that he pitched in too. Uh, and he wasn't very good in. But they are having to make up for what he lacks, right? They're having to make up for what John Lester is not bringing. And you look at the last couple starts, two and a third innings, seven earned runs, five innings, five earned runs, three and a third, two earned runs. But look, he was in trouble the entire day and they could not leave him in that ball game. They just could not do it. Now they won the last couple of games, 15 to six and seven to five. So they're winning the starts they're getting from him. But right now on the season for John Lester, 60 innings pitched a 5.34 ERA, and he has made a bundle of starts for the Nationals, but they're not getting good enough results. In, in the 13 starts he's made this year, he's only gone a total of 60 and two-thirds innings. He's not giving them enough length. We've been over this uh, time and time again. You know, these shortened, these shortened starts he's giving them are not helping out the state of the bullpen, and uh, they had to rely on some other guys last night to come in and get the job from them. Now, that really does take me to the bullpen because before I get to the late offense the Nationals got, the bullpen deserves a lot of credit for the job they did in coming in and preserving this game and helping them get the win. Kyle McGowan, Wander Suero, Sam Clay, Austin Voth, and Brad Hand. And then specifically Austin Voth, or excuse me, Wander Suero through Brad Hand. Those guys worked four perfect innings with four Ks, no walks, no hits, as I mentioned, four perfect innings. And especially the last three did it very efficiently. Six pitches for Sam Clay, six pitches for Austin Voth, and then 13 pitches for Brad Hand. Those guys shut the door in what was a very close game. So credit to those guys for not normally being back-end guys, but your, your, your seven, eight, nine inning guys uh, you know, and even six inning guy, including Wander Suero, shutting the door in a meaningful way. That will do Josh Bell from the right side, goes deep in the bottom of the top of the seventh inning, rather. And then Alcides Escobar hits a ground rule double in the left field to score Victor Robles, who had a pair of hits last night to get the Nationals 
the win. So a good team victory. This does not absolve the, the issues the Nationals have. They're just trying to get to the All-Star break at this point and try to get guys back. So maybe complaining about a win is not the best way you know for me to view this. But still, I think if we're thinking about the long term, the John Lester spot is something the Nationals have to uh, reckon with because with the amount of inconsistency they're getting from the starting pitchers, you know they have to acknowledge a couple of things. One, uh, for them, Corbin is not going anywhere. Max Scherzer is not going anywhere, right? Eric Fetty's going to hold down that spot when he comes back. And Joe Ross has been good enough to keep maintaining his spot. They're looking for consistency elsewhere. Um, and, and from an every fifth day guy, they need John Lester to be better. I know they've got you know, other worries about just kind of fielding a team right now and having John Lester as an able body is a good thing. But, you know, if you're thinking about the rest of the season and if they do want to make a push, the same way they got consistency from Anibal Sanchez, they're going to need something like that from John Lester. And three and a third last night, 83 pitches in three innings, they made him work and work and work. Now, he gave himself a little bit of his own offense and helped the team score some, which was nice, but he's not that's, that's not cutting it last night, the, what John Lester gave them. And that continues to be a theme. He had a couple of nice starts last month, but still, overall, the numbers are not good enough, and overall, the performances are not good enough. And if you watched last night, he was laboring. They really made him work to get through that three and a third, um, you know, for the Nats. Coming up, uh, three more games for the Nationals. Kind of doing a little mini preview right here. The Nats have three more, as I have mentioned, in San Diego before they go to San Francisco for three games. This was a, this was a great way to bounce back after getting swept. I mentioned this before. The Nationals are 41 and 42 now. They are four games out of first place in the National League East. They are four games out of the New York Mets. Um, the Braves and Phillies are both four and a half games back of the Mets, so they're both a half game behind the Nationals. But still, the Nats are in sole possession of second place. And I've mentioned this before. Another thing I've mentioned before, treading water is the order of the day right now. If they can keep going, you know, if they can pull out a 500 here the rest of the way on this road trip and make it a four and three, that would be Reeking fantastic. If they go four and three in the seven-game road trip, that's a huge win. They put them at 500 as they head into the All-Star break, and it'll be a great position to be in. Uh, three more with the, uh, the Padres coming up. They're going to face tonight Weathers, tomorrow night Paddock, and then uh, on Thursday it's going to be Darvish. Tonight we've got no clue who's going to pitch for the Nationals. Tomorrow night we know it's going to be Patrick Corbin, and then on Thursday we get that Scherzer versus Darvish Duel. So those three games are coming up. 10-10, 10-10, 9-10, your start times. Tuesday, 10-10, Wednesday, 10-10, and then uh, on Thursday, July 8th, it is going to be 9-10 Eastern time. Late games, they're always rough, but we manage and watch. All right, that will do it for the show today. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe. <laughs>